I'm Angeline Francis. And I'm Aldenado. From HuffPost Canada, you're listening to Born and Raised, a podcast about second-generation Canadians. Undesirable. Yucky. <laughs> Nauseous. <laughs> Nauseous! Yeah. Natalie Ramtahal blogs about food at Hungry, Hungrier, Hungriest. Mark, her brother, works with real estate agents. Their parents are Indo-Caribbean, hailing from Trinidad. Mark and Natalie share a common edible enemy, one that plagued their summers when they were kids. Palau is a rice dish that is similar to, I guess, like paella or cook-up rice or um, what's another variation? Or biryani. So everything, rice, meat, veg, or, and peas are all cooked in one pot. And so you have everything that you need for a meal in one dish. I mean, it's not bad. Like the components of the dish aren't bad. It's that you had to eat it. All the time. Every day. (laughs) It was like the quick, easy dish for my mom. Yeah. So if we went on a road trip, so I think distinctly remember Niagara Falls. Anywhere that you went with other brown people is where you would take this dish. It was in the trunk in the cooler. And by the time you got there, it was still warm. Pelau was a constant reminder that while they were Canadian like other kids, they were still different. Like you see other, especially white kids, they'd be eating like things and they'd be so excited. They'd be eating like fried chicken or like they'd be eating their sandwich or a burger. And we would have to eat the same thing every time we left the house. I mean, you get it, right? Your parents were doing their best. Like, they wanted to feed you healthy food. You can't hate on them for that. And But I mean, as they didn't understand what it was like to be a kid also, right? So that's part of the problem. Like, you are the, the negotiator of their world and like this new Western world that you live in, right? Being Canadian and like brown with Trinidadian roots is a very specific place to occupy. Because when you're a kid, you yeah. just want to eat like the other kids do, right? Yeah. Being negotiators of these worlds is a job we all got as children of immigrants, but none of us applied for it. I'm still going to put on my LinkedIn, though. <laughs> so today's theme is fitting in. We're getting into that yearning to just eat like everybody else. Yeah, it's a balancing act between fitting in with your home culture and our Canadian culture that can leave us feeling like we need to choose just one. Let's dig in. The desire to fit in really isn't unique. I feel like everybody wants to fit in. It's only natural. You just kind of want to blend. But for second generation Canadians, it's definitely a lot more complicated and more difficult to blend. It's kind of like, which part of you are you trying to fit in with? Are you trying to fit in with the Canadian side, with wherever your family's from? Like, for example, you'll go to school and the kids are making fun of your lunch because it's different and they don't know what it's supposed to look like. And then for me, I'll go home and my cousins are making fun of me because I don't speak Patois. (laughs) You can't win. Yeah, exactly. And but that you really can't win because then I'll go back to school and I'm still confused by the grammar because I've been hearing Patois my entire life. I think that perfectly illustrates how we try to fit into all these boxes and we're never quite sure if we're doing enough, you know, because when it comes to my identity, I feel like it has to have question marks instead of hyphens. Like instead of being Filipino Canadian, it should be Filipino Canadian. 
I'm constantly questioning who I am and whether people actually accept me or if they're just tolerating me. It's so true. And then there there are still some happy places where you sort of kind of fit in and you feel like you're kind of fitting into the boxes. Like for me, there's a lot of different ones that I could jump between. So there's Canadian, there's Jamaican, there's Chinese, there's black. And then it depends on the day, really. Like at home, we make Jamaican food. But then I'll go out and get some dim sum and order things that the servers are really surprised that I even know what this is. (laughs) But I grew up but I grew up Chinese. I grew up Jamaican. I grew up Canadian and all of it kinda works together nicely sometimes. There's some nights where I just make spaghetti. You constantly have to sort of make your own little I guess Sunday. You kinda pick like what you're feeling like that day or the scenarios. I mean it's a good and it's a bad thing. It means we're always figuring it out, but you end up with an interesting variety by the end of it. And the best part is that's unique to you. What you choose to pick from your home culture and your Canadian culture, no one else has that. It's the best of both worlds, Hannah Montana style. And sometimes it's your parents who are kind of taking the reins and steering you one way or the other. Mark Furukawa is a record store owner, and he's also Japanese-Canadian. This is the route his family chose to take. When you think of, you know, Leave it to Beaver or any kind of generic family program, that was us, except I didn't have a sister and a dog, and my parents, of course, are Japanese. I always joke to people who look at me and assume I'm, you know, a certain way because of my looks, or I eat a certain food, or I listen to a certain music, or what have you. I'm yellow on the outside and white on the inside, and I'm truly a banana. I'm very, very westernized. My dad was an accountant and my mom was a teacher, so we were just the average family which made us above average or, or, I don't know how you'd say it, but like made us unaverage. We were so average. Assimilation was never consciously brought to the forefront, but it was always something that drove the decisions of my parents, whether it be for food, whether it be for where I went to school, what language I spoke. It was in their consciousness about adopting the cultures of the new place that they called home and protecting their son, which was me, and and all my cousins are the the same thing. Um, The parents wanted to protect them and bring them into Canadian culture as if we were truly, you know, Canadian from generations back. My parents were interned in the interior of BC in these tar paper shacks. Um, All their possessions, their property were taken away from them and they got, you know, scant things back after the war was done. Japanese people have this real fear of looking embarrassed or shameful and the war to my parents was this huge badge of shame even though it wasn't their fault. Following the attack on Pearl Harbor and anti-Japanese hostility during World War II, the Canadian government interned thousands of Japanese civilians living in British Columbia. All Japanese people were classified as enemy aliens, regardless of their citizenship. Their homes, businesses, and assets were seized and sold off. Many men were separated from their wives and children. Families were shuttled into shanty towns with no electricity or running water. They lived in tents and shacks made out of flimsy wood that froze in the winter. Food was scarce. Hunger was a constant issue. My dad was, he, he was a man of few words. It came up in discussion somehow and we were talking about traditional Japanese food and he said, there's only one thing I won't eat. For my dad, this was like this 
statement of real gravity. And I said, what's that, Dad? He's like, burdock root. Because when he was interned, nine brothers and sisters and a mom and dad, they had nothing to eat. So his mother would forage, and the only sort of thing they could eat for days on end was burdock root. So she'd boil it, she'd make a soup out of it, she'd, you know, mash it. And so my dad just has such negative connotations with burdock root. It's something he would never eat at all in his life post-World War II. After Mark's family was released from the internment camp, he says they focus on assimilating into Canadian culture. The food was reflected in that assimilation in the sense that they wanted to fit in with community. They wanted to fit in with their neighbors. We probably ate sort of North American fare three to four times a week and then traditional Japanese fare the rest of the week. As an adult, Mark doesn't see this assimilation as something he needs to correct. He's not interested in getting in touch with his roots. They wanted to protect me in a sense that Kids pick on anything that's different. So even with food, you know, if I was sent to school with a lunch, chances are it wouldn't be a rice ball or something. It would be more like a peanut butter sandwich. The lunches I brought were always prepared by my mom, uh, but it was always, you know, sandwich, orange and a brownie or something like that. It was very generically North American. People always say to me, oh, don't you miss your Japanese culture? And I was raised as, uh, I would say, Canadian first and Japanese second. I'd be a tourist uh, as much as anybody who went to Japan for the first time I've never been. For Mark, his culture is rooted in Canada with his parents. I look at my life and my lack of Japanese knowledge of Japanese culture as more of a survival um, tactic, I guess, instilled in with me in me by my parents post-World War II. It's about staying together and we want to do the best we can in this country. We want to have our kids be safe and fit in. So I don't really miss it. I was truly raised as a Canadian youth, so I don't have any longing. I really value my Canadian culture. It's interesting to hear Mark's story because it kind of shows how intergenerational the effects of racism can be. Because Mark never had to attend an internment camp, but because his parents did, it just had a lasting effect. For me, what I'm taking from Mark's story is a sense of confidence in who he is and where he belongs. And I really admire that. I kind of wish that I carried that too. Well, Angeline, we're at the end of the line. We've got one last course to end this Born and Raised food series. Hit me. It comes from Giuseppe Sim, who runs a food tour company. Fun fact, he's got a bit of a superpower, actually. What's that? He can fit in anywhere he goes. I was one of those curious kids that loved exploring my friends' kitchens. And till this day, I don't think I've ever met a mom that didn't love feeding me. I have no known food allergies. And along with that, always quite adventurous as an eater. So loved experimenting, trying new things. And uh, then I think it got uh, amplified when I caught the travel bug. I had to go to Seoul, Korea to visit family. So the first time I was there, I was a preteen. I have a 94-year-old grandmother whom I have not seen since the 90s. And uh, I thought this would be the most opportune time to go and pay them a visit. And while there, I had probably the most ridiculous food experience of my life. 
So when I arrived, I got to meet my uncle and the first thing they did was take me to a Korean barbecue. <laughs> so we picked up my grandmother and uh, my aunt and we headed over and started eating. And it was after that meal that my uncle made the remark to me that, uh, and also to my grandmother, that he was so happy that I liked Korean food. And which actually kind of surprised me to hear that. Uh, but their perception of a Canadian born and raised Korean was that there was a very good probability that I would not enjoy the array and diversity of Korean food. But once he discovered that there wasn't anything they could put in front of me that I wouldn't eat, and not only that, absolutely love and enjoy, and that's when things really went off. It was my uncle who told all of his brothers and sisters that Giuseppe loves to eat, he loves Korean food. There is nothing that we can throw in front of him that we would ever be worried about. Soon Giuseppe was caught up in a culinary tug of war, with aunts and uncles all clamoring to take him to their favorite spots took me to this specialty place that specializes in this uh, beef rib soup stuffed with ginger, rice, and spices and herbs. Marketplace, and we just picked this, picked that, and I said, that looks Eating unusual. Eating Korean fried chicken in Korea, it didn't disappoint. I felt like royalty when I was in Korea, and I've never been so spoiled in my life. They wouldn't let me pay for anything but the best was yet to come. I think it was the last night I was there. Um, my, one of my uncles and aunts had a membership at a, a golf country club, and they treated me to, I, I'm pretty sure it was at least 18 tastings of a dinner where they threw literally anything and everything on a plate, made it with a Korean flair, and we spent four hours laughing, eating. When I was leaving, everybody came to the airport. And there was a lot of tears shed because they didn't know when the next time I would come back, particularly my grandmother. For her at 94, I think she maybe thought in the back of her mind this might have been the last time she got to see me. I felt that I could easily spend months with them. For me to know that I have another place on the planet that I would be able to be so easily received and embraced and to be made comfortable is very assuring. I mean, it's kind of a strange experience as being a you know, the second generation Canadian born visible minority living in Canada to know that even though I grew up in this country, there is another country that would easily adopt me. And to tangibly know that is different than just maybe having it as an idea. And it was probably the first time I realized that my parents' homeland is mine too. That's it for Born and Raised, the food edition. 
Thanks for listening and thanks to all the second gen Canadians who are so generous in sharing their stories, sharing their time, and most importantly, sharing their food. I'm Angeline Francis. And I'm Al Donato. If you've got room for seconds, we made a little extra for you to take home. To see photos of our guests, read show notes, and the episode's transcript, you can visit HuffPost.ca. Born and Raised is produced by Al Donato and Stephanie Werner for HuffPost Canada. Executive producers, Andre Lau and Lisa Young. Thanks for listening. See you real soon. Do you want to get some meat? Yes, I am starving. Steph, you coming? Yeah, I'll be right there. <laughs>